Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. So we have with us today, Stephanie Heck. She is a marriage and family therapist at Laura Hofstetter and Counseling Associates. She specializes in issues of family systems, anxiety, depression, creating healthy relationships, issues of self-worth, sexual identity, childhood trauma, and also addictions. Uh, She has also been the director of an outpatient adolescent chemical dependency center. Uh, Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you see family systems being affected by the pandemic and and really what school uh, leaders can learn from that? I've kind of been thinking about what types of material that I could talk to you about that would be most useful for your audience in education. And also kind of looking at the trends that I've seen with my client group since this whole pandemic shutdown has begun. Obviously, taking a look at the home environment because that really is going to dictate this child's availability to be able to learn or not. And of course, you know, what we are all aware of is because we've been reading a lot in the news lately about how there's been more child abuse reports. There's been more concern for that now that children are home with people losing jobs and there could be addiction going on in the home. So all of the things that before maybe children would go to school to escape and school became their safe place, now they don't have that. So Now, some kids, there's a variety of children, there's a population of children who are now, their safe place is gone, so they have to stay home and in their dangerous place and try to do remote learning. Um, And of course, when people are, when children or people are caught in the crossfire of anger or violence towards them or watching their parents go through it um, towards each other, Certainly, there is a fight, flight, and freeze response that is set off that does not allow the child to even retain information, be present for the learning, be present for speaking with the teacher. So they're really biologically limited if kids are now stuck at home and home is a war zone and uh, school is the safe place. I know that you've had many of the guests who have talked about how they really are keeping track with the kids at home, doing video conferencing, even driving by the houses and checking on kids, which is wonderful. I know we've had, our school counselors have really been reaching out to try to make sure that the kids in our community are in a safe uh, situation for learning. So that's kind of, you know, there, there's that side of the coin. And then that there's a positive side to this sort of forced stay home time. I know for some families, I am seeing that 
the crazy life of going to work and then soccer practice and play practice and basketball over here and dance over here. Like a lot of families are really very disjointed and disconnected and mom and dad are always stressed out and everybody's short tempered. And now I'm kind of seeing with some of my families that, that are in that boat, they're connecting better. They're more in their bodies. They're a little more present. I actually see in some of the couples that I'm working with that the moms and dads are starting to get along better, which is really nice. And that is really having an impact on the kids. Everybody in the house can kind of downregulate and relax and be more present and available. So there have been kind of some good sides and, the, and some bad sides, sides to everything that's been going on in the world. So I'm intrigued by your reference to schools as a safe place and how that may be um, highlighted by what's happening now. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. For some kids, you know, they don't even have proper meals at home. I know that our school, in our school system, they're sending out weekly emails where you can arrange to either go pick up meals or meals can be delivered. In some of the homes where there was tension before, like I said, it's even more ratcheted up. So mom, maybe dad lost his job and maybe dad was drinking a little bit before and now that's more intensified. Maybe mom and dad were not very kind to each other before and maybe now that's more intensified. So it can be a tough place for some kids if the home life is not a place where they can go to feel safe, to relax, to downregulate, to come back into their body. And school can sometimes be that for kids because things are organized. Somebody is in charge. They feel there are rules to go by, which helps them feel safe. Where at home, sometimes the danger and the violence can seem very random. So a lot of times school helps kids downregulate because their body knows how to anticipate what's coming next, which can make them feel safer and obviously more available to learn. So you mentioned before about the fight, flight, or freeze response. Can you talk about that a little bit more? I think that that for our audience, some people may be familiar with that. Other people may not be quite sure what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. So basically, if you kind of have ever seen any animal uh, getting trapped in your yard someplace, uh, then they kind of get this look in their eye because there is a whole biological reaction that happens to them and us in our bodies when we feel like uh, our survival is at risk. So if we are put in a situation where we feel like we could die, then our biology has a sort of a reaction that it goes through. It's like a sort of like this whole clockwork thing that happens in our body. And there are several different types of reactions we can have. We can have a fight reaction where we want to go out and fight to keep ourselves safe and stop the person from hurting us. We have a flight, which is a run reaction. So we just got to get away from the person. That's how we're going to save, preserve ourselves. Or even below both of those, because those are both kind of action uh, things. And you might even see these with some of your kids at school for teachers and administrators. Like you can see a fight reaction. You can see a flight reaction. And then there's one that's kind of even more uh, traumatic than the fight flight, which is the freeze, which is if you 
ever were to look on YouTube and see some of these animals that you, you know, that, that are in danger and they kind of roll over and they just stay still and hope that the predator thinks they're dead and goes away. So we also have that mechanism in our body. We have it's a vagal nerve response is what it's called. And, um, and that can be the most difficult thing uh, to kind of treat really, because it is from a complete biological base level, a freeze in your body. So if you've ever been in a classroom and there's been fighting in the classroom and you see a kiddo just frozen in, in space, you know, um, he's probably experienced a, a, a tremendous amount of trauma at home because that so this is a might be an indicator trauma response. Yeah. So if there are teachers out there, administrators that are coaching up their teachers, one thing that they may be able to look for is if on a Zoom session, they're yes. seeing a kid that just seems zoned out and yes. almost frozen, that that might yes. be an indicator that we need to probe a bit more, both for academic, but also social emotional reasons. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I, I, would, I would say that. And you, can, you might even see that in the classroom if there's you know, any loud sounds or fighting, other kids fighting around them, because it is, it is one of the um, most base level ways, protective ways, uh, that humans and animals both actually have to keep themselves alive is this freeze response. And it's n none of these things are choices. They are all biological reactions to trauma. So they are a learned response in our body for children who have experienced a decent amount of trauma at home. And then of course we see these responses continue on into adulthood. And that's, you know, I see folks who come into my office and they have a variety of these trauma responses and so this is not something that you just move out of at some point in your life if there's been enough trauma to make this cycle happen in your body then this is something that kind of needs treated at some point and most people are not even aware that their body is doing this so, so for our audience which are mostly school administrators these are leaders at the building level or at the district level and they're trying to help create systems and processes that, that give families what they need to the degree they can, what advice do you have for them? I would say, um, I know that there's been a lot of administrators on that have been doing a lot working with their teachers to really check in on these kids. And I think that is a really big piece. I'm, I'm super proud of how much community has pulled together here in the, in the education world. We've got the administrators checking with the teachers and the school counselors are involved. So I am amazed at some of the wonderful and creative ways that the administrators that you've had on your show have talked about connecting with the kids because I think it is a big piece. You have to have, and most teachers have their finger on the pulse of kids who are coming from homes where it might not be optimal. And I think those are the kids in particular where the teachers are going to want to make sure that they talk to them, make sure they see them, make sure they're looking at the kid's face when they're video chatting and seeing, is this kid looking like a deer in the headlights or is this kid looking how they normally do in class? So, you know, I think just keeping a finger on the pulse and then if, teachers, counselors, administrators aren't hearing from kids for a couple days, then kind of raising an eyebrow of, at that and trying to find ways to reach out and check in 
like get a little, go to the next step to check in. Interesting. And I think too about the professionals in this situation and the stress that comes with being a leader of a group. I mean, an administrator, of course, is trying to lead uh, professional educators. And these are people too that are going through their own stresses at home um, right. and just in the life around us, of course. So as we, te- as we speak on the adult level here, what is some advice you have for people that are trying to lead other adults through this challenging, scary time? I think the biggest piece is to take care of yourself too. This can be very, very overwhelming for people. I can only imagine administrators um, feeling, you know, uh, like where exactly do you start with this? And also looking into the fall, I know that there's been a lot of talk about are the kids going back? Are they going back part time? Are they not going at all? So this is not something that's, uh, you know, a sprint. This sounds like this is a marathon, sadly. So I think for the administrators in charge, really, it's that self-care piece. It is making sure that when things are stressful and or things go south on something that you had planned, that you're able to have somebody to talk to, whether it be your spouse or your best friend or a therapist. I mean, obviously, we're doing video teletherapy now, so... um, and which is nice. And I didn't think it would be as good as it actually is, but you can really get some good work done. So maybe reaching out, finding their own therapist, but certainly making sure they're communicating, they're downloading, they are um, getting out and taking walks and breathing fresh air so we can remember we're not alone in this. Proper sleep, eating, nutrition. So all of these things, just basic level and knowing kind of keeping a finger more on their level of of, uh, stress than they ordinarily might do when we're not in these circumstances, because at a baseline level, they might be running a little higher. So really, and, and if they're going higher, and if they go over in their stress level, then they're not going to be able to think properly, because their biology is not going to allow them to properly plan and follow through with things. So It's really, it starts at the top, I think, with the self-care and the groundedness and just slowing everything down. You know, and I work with with groups a lot, and I think about, in a sense, leadership teams as a family system. And I know you've Mm -hmm. done a lot of work with family systems. You know, if you've you've got a superintendent and you've got five principals and a curriculum director and a um, counselor in a room together, in a sense, they become family. So this may be a learning opportunity and a growth mindset opportunity for teams. Do you have any advice for teams? Allowing uh, for people's quirks. Because <laughs> sometimes when you're in a family, you're a close team under pressure, um, you know, people's difficult parts of maybe their personality or their own anxiety, uh, it could be manifesting as a lot of negativity. Those types of things are going to come out. So kind of if I were leading that type of group, then I would want to be aware of watching for my team's Uh, stressors that are coming out that are manifesting in the dynamic of the group. And then I would really want to watch, leave that as a monitor as to maybe how much I'm pushing them or taking time to say, hey guys, 
it looks like we kind of need to take a break. Why don't we take a break and regroup? Or sometimes you might have um, an administrator in the room who maybe in their youth did not have a voice in their growing up years. So maybe creating a situation where everybody gets to add in. So you kind of have to, if you're going to work closely together as a group, I think the person who's leading it really has to come to take the time to understand how to help their group best show up. Takes kind of watching the stress level and seeing where the triggers are. Boy, I think that is super helpful. And for anybody who wants to follow up with you to get more um, in depth about what you're talking about or reach out for additional resources, what's the best way for them to reach you? They could either call my office at Laura Hofstetler and Counseling Associates or they are welcome to send me an email directly and they can send it to silverbergstephanie at yahoo.com spelled S-I-L-V-E-R-B-E-R-G-S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E at yahoo.com and that'll come directly to me and I'm happy to follow up and follow up and give advice or support to uh, whoever needs it because this is really Boy, I tell you, administrators, uh, I just, uh, this is something. I, I really, I raise a glass to you all because this is a challenge and I am so impressed as to how you all have risen to the occasion. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it as we all join each other in this effort to move things forward together. All right, thank you for having me. Brought to you by Ashland University, your partner in the future of professional learning. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons.